again. We're glad that you're here today. We've got a lot of folks that are traveling. And if you are in the process of traveling back to your humble abode, we would pray that you have a safe travel. If you're going to be coming and going this week, again, we pray for you. Hope and pray that you have a great new year. Hard to believe the holidays are almost over, about to embark upon a new year. And so we are on the cusp of 2016, and we hope and pray that 2016 is going to be a great year. We hope and pray that all of us will prosper physically and spiritually, and most importantly, spiritually. Got a number of folks that have been ill and having health problems. We continue to pray for them. We've had a lot of, a lot of our members that have lost loved ones over the course of this year. We want to keep them in our prayers. I know that the holiday period is oftentimes a difficult time for those that have lost people that they've loved and appreciated down through the years, and so we pray for them. We're going to be looking today at Ephesians chapter 5 as we think about the bride of Christ. In Revelation chapter 19, in about verse 7, John said, The bride has made herself ready. The bride, of course, is the church. It is an awesome privilege to be a part of the body of Christ. Paul in Romans chapter 7 at verse 4 said that all who have obeyed the gospel are married to Christ. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, the apostle Paul uses an analogy between the husband and wife relationship and the relationship that exists between Jesus and his bride, the church. And there are some things that are borne out in this context that remind us how special the church or the bride is to the Lord. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, first of all, Paul speaks about the sentiments that Jesus has for his bride. I want to begin, as we think about this point, by emphasizing the depth of his love for the church or for his bride. Listen, if you would, to what Paul said in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The first thing that comes to my mind is the sincerity of his love. There are a lot of things that we could say about Jesus. One of the things that ought to be said is the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, loves his church, loves his bride. His love is genuine. It is sincere. Sometimes we question the love of a mate. It might be that we question the love of a friend, a family member. When it comes to the love that the Lord has for His bride, it is unquestioned. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 at verse 20, speaking of Christ, He said, who loved me? Paul understood that Christ loved him. As a part of the bride of Christ, Paul no doubt understood that the Lord loved him. John said in Revelation chapter 1, in verse 5, Unto him who loved us, 
Collectively, we are the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And so the love that the Lord has for us is clear and unmistakable. Now, as I think about the sincerity of his love, I'm reminded also of the sacrifices of his love. First of all, Jesus came from heaven to earth. And the Bible tells us that he was obedient unto death, yes, even the death of the cross. All that Jesus gave up to come to earth for us, to purchase, to buy the church with his blood. The Bible talks about the fact that Jesus Christ sacrificially gave of himself. When people tell you they love you, that means a lot to you. But it's not enough to just express your love for, for someone. But obviously it means a great deal when they demonstrate or manifest or show their love for us. Listen again to what Paul said. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Well, how did he show that love? Paul said he gave himself for it. As a husband, it's easy to say, I love you. But what really carries weight is do I show that love? Jesus has demonstrated his love, his immense love for his bride. How did he, how did he do that? He gave himself for it. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, in speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. The church is the blood-bought body of Christ. It cost him something. It cost him his life. And so because of that immense love, we ought to be grateful. So I think about the depth of his love and then the duration of his love. In Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3, Jeremiah said on behalf of God concerning the nation of Israel. He said, "I've loved you with an everlasting love." Now, applied to the Israel of God today, that is the bride of Christ, the church. Does does God love the church? Does the Lord love his people? Yes, he does. Will there ever be a time in history that the Lord does not love His church? Let me answer that for you. No. There'll never be a time. Sometimes in today's complex society, husbands and wives will have difficulties with one another and they'll drift apart. And there are times when a husband will tell his wife, I just don't love you anymore. I don't have the same feelings for you that I once had. There are times when wives will make that statement to their husbands. They'll say, I just don't love you like I did when we married. You need to understand there will never be a time in your life when the Lord says to you, I don't love you anymore. He'll never walk out the door on you. He'll never, he'll never slam the door in your face and say, you know what, we're done. Our relationship is over. Now you can terminate that relationship, but the Lord's not going to. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. If anyone leaves, if anyone forsakes, not the Lord, it would be us. And so the Lord will always love his bride. And that's a great thought. When I step back and think about the love that 
ought to be within the context of a human relationship, particularly marriage. And then when you look at all the marriages that have terminated and given way to any number of reasons, one of which is people say they fall out of love with one another. The Lord's not going to fall out of love with you. Now the Bible says that Christ loved the church. He gave himself for it. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. John said unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his own blood. So the Lord loves his people. He loves us. We are a kingdom that has been established by him. And so there's a second thing I want you to see in our study. First, we talk about his sentiments for his bride and then his support for his bride. You need to understand that Jesus supports his bride. Now, drop down, if, if you would, with me and look at verse 29. In verse 29, Paul said, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Two things here. He's talking about the husband-wife relationship. And again, the care that ought to be existent within that relationship. But spiritually, he's talking about the tremendous care and provisions that the Lord gives his body or his bride, the church. First, he said, he nourishes his bride. The word nourishes here means to bring to maturity. And the idea is that the Lord Jesus provides sustenance for his bride. You know, one of the things that, one of the responsibilities that we have, those of us who are husbands, is we are to be a provider. Paul talks about it in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. How some who have not provided for their own, he said, are worse than an infidel and have denied the faith. The Lord provides for his bride. As a matter of fact, the Lord provides sustenance for the growth, the nourishment of his bride, doesn't he? Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Lord is not going to let us go hungry. He's given us provisions so that we might grow spiritually, so that the church can be what he would have it to be. Peter would say to those who, be, who became Christians in the first century, he said, as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. Well, how are you going to grow? The sincere milk of the Word. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he would say, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there are provisions for our growth. The Lord intends for the church to be a growing body. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, when Paul spoke to the elders of the church of Ephesus, in verse 32, he said, And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. That word able is the same term that is translated power in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. When Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. 
In other words, the gospel has the power, the ability to lead to salvation, doesn't it? By the same token, Paul is saying that God's word has the power, the ability to build us up. It sustains us. It brings about maturity within the faith. So first he said, the Lord nourishes his bride and then he cherishes his bride. The word cherishes means to foster tender affection, to warm, to provide warmth. Think about the very special relationship that ought to exist within the context of marriage. There are provisions within the marital relationship. And I think about a husband. A husband is supposed to cherish his bride, isn't he? Put her on a pedestal. Care for her. By the same token, the Lord is saying that he has tender affection. That the church is his pride and joy. Now there are a couple of things here. I said just a moment ago that the Lord is a provider. First, he provides a place of refuge for his bride, doesn't he? Now, as I step back and just think about what the Lord is saying here, and the fact that the church has a safe haven, a refuge in the Lord, we can trust him. We look to him for shelter. Is that not what the Bible speaks of with regard to the husband and wife relationship? You go back and look at Genesis chapter 3, the fall of Adam and Eve. The fault with Adam, he didn't protect his wife. God protects his bride. And God provides a place of refuge for his bride. The psalmist said in the long ago, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful. He said, My soul trusts in you. And then he talked about anchoring himself to Almighty God until all of the calamities of life had passed him by. The psalmist said in Psalm 46, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. To know that God provides for his church, his bride, a place of refuge. And then, not only does he provide a place of refuge, but the Bible says he provides for our prayer request. It might be the case that sometimes as a husband, those of us who are husbands, maybe we don't necessarily listen to our mates like we ought to. Anybody guilty of that? Not a chance. Sometimes our, our sometimes those of us who are married, our wives will say something to us and they'll continue saying something and we have blocked it out. We've tuned it out, haven't we? I don't know how many times I've heard Nancy say to me, you never listen to me. Well, I try to listen, but sometimes maybe I don't. Well, when it comes to the Lord, He always listens to us, doesn't He? 
The Bible says that the prayer of the upright is his delight. What he's saying is God in heaven loves to hear from his people. Now you think about it as the bride of Christ. We can turn to the Lord and we have the assurance that God in heaven hears our prayers. Peter said the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. As a wife, you might feel like your husband tunes you out. You might feel like when you say something to him, it falls on deaf ears. He never, he never listens. Let me tell you what, God always listens to his people. As the bride of Christ, we have the right of prayer. That is a spiritual blessing according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. So we can, we can have the assurance that when we, when we bow in prayer to Almighty God, He is listening, and He is listening attentively. Now there are times when maybe we're listening, but we're not listening. Not the case with God. God is always attentive to us. You ever tried to talk to somebody, and during the course of your conversation, maybe you're trying to, to talk to them about a very difficult time in your life, a problem, and you're trying to share it with them because you're looking for some sympathy or empathy or some words of encouragement, and you just feel like they're not listening, they're tuning you out. It's aggravating, isn't it? That's not the case with God. The Hebrew writer said that we ought to draw boldly under the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. To know that God in heaven is attentive to all of our prayers. Now, there's a third thing I want you to see. We talk about his sentiments for the bride, his support of the bride, but then the Bible tells us Jesus will save his bride. There are two things I want to share with you along these lines. First of all, the Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church, which is the bride of Christ. Listen to what Paul said beginning in verse 23. Again, in this narrative, he's talking about the husband-wife relationship and the relationship that exists between Christ and his bride. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let their wives be to their own husbands in everything. Jesus Christ is our fearless leader and he is our faithful leader. The beauty of knowing that Jesus is the head of the church, the head of the bride, I have absolute confidence in him as the leader. Do you? There are some corporations in our country that have changed corporate heads a number of times because of failure. There are, there are times in life when we have all seen athletic teams that have changed coaches and management because of failure. Let me tell you what, the Lord Jesus will never fail His people. He will never fail the church. There are husbands that have been failures. They have not functioned in their God-ordained role, they have abdicated their responsibility as a spiritual leader. They've not been what God wants them to be. That's not the case when it comes 
to the Lord, serving as the head of, the, of His church. How does Jesus regulate the behavior of the church today? Through His Word, doesn't He? The Bible tells us that He is the mediator of the New Covenant, that is, the New Testament. The New Testament that was shed with His blood. Hebrews 9, verses 15 through 17. The Lord Jesus is able to control the behavior of His body through His Word. That's why Paul said, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Colossians 3, 17. Jesus said, All authority, all power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. So the Lord has the ability to faithfully lead His church. I have no doubt the Lord possesses the abilities, the capabilities of doing the job as God desires it to be done. He's done it for 2,000 years. And He will continue to do it until time ceases, will He not? So, He is the head of the church. When we talk about the headship of Christ and the headship that is to exist within the home, when the husband is the provider, the protector, when the husband loves as he ought to love, then it becomes an easy thing for the wife to submit biblically as the Bible talks about. Well, what, the, what the Bible's telling us is, look, when you think about everything God has done for you, when you think about the love that Christ has for His body, it ought to be an easy thing for us to submit. It ought to be an easy thing for us to do what the Lord says in His Word. So he's not only the head of the church, the Bible says he is the hope of the church. Listen again to what Paul said in verse 23. The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Jesus is the Savior of his bride. Did you know that as a husband... Given certain situations, if the need were to arise, you're called upon to lay down your life for your mate, to put your life at stake for her well-being. The Bible says that Jesus is the Savior of His bride. He has saved all who are in Christ. Now the Bible says salvation is in Christ. Jesus has already paid the price for our salvation. He went to Calvary, shed His blood so that we might enjoy life, that we might enjoy an abundant life according to what the Lord said in John chapter 10, verse 10. Salvation is in Christ. The only way to get into Christ is to be baptized in, into Him. The reason we're baptized into Christ is so that we might contact the blood of Christ. Jesus shed His blood in death, John 19, 34 and 35. The only way that you can appropriate that blood is to be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins. Now you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God because without faith it's impossible to be well-pleasing to Him, Hebrews chapter 11. You've got to repent of your sins as they did on Pentecost Day, Acts 2, 38. You must confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. 
that Jesus is the Son of God, Acts 8, verse 37. Then you're baptized into Christ. At that point, you contact His blood. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Know you not that all we who are baptized into Christ were baptized into His death. It's there that we appropriate the benefits and the blessings of His blood. We're added to His body. Acts 2, verse 47. So why do I need to be a member of the church? Listen again. Jesus is the Savior of the body. You've got to be in the church because Jesus has promised to save His bride. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, when John said, The bride has made herself ready. One day the Lord will come for His bride. When He comes for His bride, He's only going to save His bride. If this building were burning, and as a husband, your wife happened to be in this building, who would you look to save? Your wife. When the Lord Jesus comes, this world is going to be on fire. This world is going to be destroyed. The earth and the works therein, as Peter said, will be burned up. And the Lord is coming for His bride. That's all He's going to save. So if you're not a part of the bride of Christ, He won't save you. So, to be a part of the bride of Christ is to be blessed indeed. It's a great opportunity, great privilege. What about you? Are you a part of the bride of Christ? The Bible tells us that the Lord loves His bride. The Lord has given Himself for His bride. And the Lord will one day come for His bride. When He comes, will He come for you? If you're here today and you're not a New Testament Christian, I would urge you to come to Christ. To simply do what they did on Pentecost Day. To repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. If you'll do that, God will put you in the church. You'll be a part of the redeemed. And the Bible says, as we read a moment ago, Christ is the Savior of that body. You want to be a part of that. If you're here today and you're not faithful to His cause, why not come home? Why not come back? Let us pray with you and for you, and God will abundantly pardon. 1 John 1, 9, as we stand and sing.